We're in a series on the Christmas Chronicles, and we're following the Advent season. And this week, the message is on joy. Joy. And so we find ourselves back in the field with the shepherds, tending their flock, when the angel came forth and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Messiah, who is Christ the Lord. And so this is a story of good news with great joy. Say it with me. Great joy. This is not a little bit of joy. This is great joy. And we know as we studied last week that right on the heels of that statement, the rest of the angel army burst forth and started praising and worshiping God. Because Christ coming to earth is that of great, great joy. And so we've got to help understand things, so let's define joy. So what are we talking about with joy? Well, joy can mean laughter and fun. So, so it, could it be that the angel was announcing to the shepherds, you've got to get to this manger, it's going to be a party, it's a blast. It's hilarious. There's this little baby all wrapped up. Everybody's having a ball. I don't think that was the joy that the angel was talking about. I mean, there's something more than that, you know. And you think of Jesus' ministry. Is it that Jesus came to have a good time? Jesus came because he's a party animal. I mean, when you think about it, his reputation was the, the Pharisees called him a glutton and a wine-bibber because he loved to what? Party! Party at Jesus' house. Party at Zacchaeus' house. Come on. Is that the attitude he had? No, it really wasn't that. He had great joy, but it wasn't about drinking and eating as people slandered him with. It was the fact that a man like Zacchaeus could change his whole life with one meeting in the presence of Jesus from one who would steal and rip off to one who changed the very economy of a city by giving back twice what he had taken, and giving all that he had to the poor. That's joy. Something shifted in that man's house. When the prostitute who was plagued with seven demons got set free, joy was let loose in that house. It wasn't about Jesus having a party with food and drink. It wasn't about everybody having frivolity with laughter and joy. Though I imagine that there was some laughter in the boat with those 12 guys and Jesus it probably got out of hand now and then. But I mean, that's not what the joy is about, is it? When we're talking about the joy that is now here on earth, it says to all people. The joy is that salvation. God is restoring the relationship between himself and mankind in total. Through Christ Jesus, that is the joy we're talking about. It is of an eternal dimension. You know, this world spends so much money on comedy and alcohol and drugs, right? And entertainment. America is the entertainment capital of the world, if you will. I think we're the whore of Babylon, but beside that... It exports all this stuff out, and it's all about feeling good because we're all so hollow and empty, but not when you have the joy of the Lord. 
That is of an eternal dimension. And it goes beyond just your physical experience. It goes into the realm of an eternal experience. And that's what this angel's talking about. This is a great joy. This is good news. This is a joy that can't be taken away. Even though you are suffering, you can still have the joy of the Lord. How many of you know that? This is a joy that is truer than the truest thing in life. It's more real than any trouble or affliction that comes on you. It's the knowledge that love wins. It's the knowledge that Christ died for you. It's the knowledge that you have eternal life, and no matter what happens here, you've got a glorious reward in the presence of God. That's a joy. And that's what he's talking about. Joy is coming to man, the veil of death and darkness is being lifted off of us. We now have an understanding of what is real and what is true. It says in Luke 15, 7, I tell you, Jesus said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. So, I mean, there's a party of joy going on in heaven constantly. Imagine, there's rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents and comes to the Lord. So, in every time zone around the world, you figure, how often is someone coming to the Lord? Could it be every second? Right now in China, right now in Africa, right now in Malaysia, right now where the gospel's being preached, someone is coming to the Lord, and what are the angels doing? Like on that night, they're rejoicing in God. So I have to believe there is great joy in heaven constantly. Constantly. Why? Because it is echoing and reverberating the salvation of our God. Every time someone gets saved, Christ is exalted. And isn't that what heaven is about? Isn't that what the throne is about? The exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So constantly as a soul gets saved, it reminds us of good news and great joy of what Christ wrought on that night. And it's been echoing ever since. That's the joy that we have. That's what we enter into. Let's take a look at it. Romans 14 verse 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now that's pretty dramatic. This is Paul, who is a a Pharisee above Pharisees, a Jew above Jews. He was a rabbi taught by Gamaliel. He knew the law. He understood the law. And so what Paul is saying to everybody is that the kingdom of God is not about whether you're circumcised or not, whether you're following the dietary laws of Moses, and whether you eat or drink according to those. That's not what is righteousness. That's not what gets you right with God. Those were only shadows of what was to come. Those were only things that helped you understand what was coming in Messiah. But now, as a matter of fact, what the kingdom of God is, is righteousness, peace, and joy. Man, I like that. Why righteousness? And and this just backs up what Paul was preaching in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Since we have been justified, we have peace with the Father. Right? All right, so what is righteousness? It is a rightness between us and God, which is a gift. If you will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you will believe that He died for you on the cross, and as you are born again, you confess your sins, you have a rightness with God the Father. The same relationship that Jesus has with the Father is now yours because you're brought into Christ. 
And so you are made righteous. It's the gift of righteousness. Right with God immediately. That brings peace to you. You're clean. You're cleansed. You have peace with God the Father. He's not angry at you. He's not chasing after you. He's not uh, 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 bringing wrath or judgment on you. You have His peace. You have shalom with Father. You're one with Him. And so what should that bring you? Joy. 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 All is right between you and God. All is right. Now, all that Father is doing is teaching you and instructing you as a father teaches his child. And so, you have it with God, a joy. But where does that come from? He says this, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. It's in the Spirit. Now, as the angel said, this is for all people everywhere, but in order to access it, you have to come to the cross through Jesus Christ to deal with sin so it's removed so that the spirit of holiness can come into you. The Holy Spirit comes into you, and now you are made right before God. You have peace and you have joy. It comes in and through the Holy Spirit. So this joy is not accessible to anybody else except those who will come to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what salvation brings. And that's what should mark the church as different from anyone else on this planet. Christians, you have the joy of God. The love of God. So we shouldn't argue the way the world argues. We shouldn't fight the way the world fights. Because we have a different stance from everybody else. We stand in love, in joy, and in peace. Sure, we get frustrated. Sure, we struggle with the situations of this life. Sure, we hurt. Sure, we're in trial. Yes, we're in pain. But we've got a storage unit of something greater than anybody else has. The very nature of God dwells in us. That nature of God has got to be manifest greater than our flesh. It's peace, it's joy. And the one thing that needs to come out is joy. I've been around the world in many third world countries and I have seen the joy of the Lord where people are absolutely broken. They've got nothing. They wear the same clothes every week, day in, day out. They don't have shoes. These people are poor. But the joy of the Lord is all over their faces. I've been in China where there's no freedom to worship, but when they worship, the joy of God is on their faces. They have to be silent because they cannot shout and scream, though they want to. But the joy of the Lord comes out in every tear they weep and it runs down their face. Every time they lift their hands, joy is emanating out of their spirit. I never forget when I served communion one time in China, had the opportunity to serve communion, and so we served the bread, and an hour later, after they gave thanks for the bread, we served the wine. I had to wait till everybody was done weeping and crying and worshiping to God that He gave His body for them. An hour later, we gave the wine, and then that went on for an hour. Because the joy of the Lord is in their hearts. You go to Africa, and I'll tell you what, man, you wouldn't be able to handle it. It's a dance party in Africa. 
It doesn't stop. The music starts and the dancing begins. And the joy of the Lord of these people who don't have half of what we have are in a place of ecstasy because God has met them through Jesus Christ. This is a joy that's in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it's not set by your economic level. It's not set by your intellectual abilities. It's not set by your standing in society. It's in the Spirit. And anybody that's in the Spirit has access to this joy. Hallelujah. Amen to that. I was sitting here worshiping this morning and I thought... Wouldn't we all be blown away if we realized that Jesus is not a white American? What if Jesus, what if worship was the truest sense like it is in Africa? We would all be like, this upsets our sensibility. We, we, We look at God according to our culture. What if God is nothing like the American culture? We'd all be like, I don't know what to do. What if he's like the Chinese culture? What if he's like a culture that's so ancient, we don't even know what that's like? And so when we hear that worship, it's like, all right, I guess I got to learn this. Maybe they do that. I don't know. We've got to get outside of ourselves and into the spirit. A joy unspeakable. It's so full of glory, you can't handle it. You can't conform it to your social standings. You can't conform it to your culture. It's so beyond your culture and so out of your realm of understanding. This joy comes on you and you can't contain it. Because it's in the Holy Spirit. It's not of men's spirit. So that's where it comes from. How many of you know that joy is the atmosphere of the kingdom of God? That's the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. He says this, for the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is full of joy. To be in the presence of God is to be in a place where everything is right with the world. Rightness, peace, and the Holy Spirit. It's everything under the sun that's a mess. But that's not his fault. That's ours. In the presence of God, God has got everything sovereignly and gloriously worked out. You enter into the presence of God, you enter into joy unspeakable. Joy that is good. And so when you get the taste of the Holy Spirit to understand joy, now you're beginning to understand the atmosphere and the economy of heaven. The economy of heaven is a blast. It's glorious. It's wonderful. It's amazing. In fact, look at this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, you know this verse. Fix your eyes on Jesus, right? The pioneer and perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what was Jesus looking to? Well, let's just, I mean... The writer of Hebrews, I'll call him Paul, the writer of Hebrews is is speaking of a visual picture. He says, you fix your eyes on whom? On Jesus. Now he's going to give you an illustration of how Jesus did it. 
For Jesus, right, for the joy set before him. What did Jesus fix his eyes on? See, you fix your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus fixed his eyes on what? The joy, not the cross. He fixed his eyes on the joy set before him so he could endure the cross. Right? Now, what was that joy? That's what i got to figure out. What was he looking at? What was the joy he said? Well, well, it goes right at the end of the verse. It says it. Where did he go? What did it say? Right after he endured the cross, what did he do? Set, oh, I, sorry, you don't have the verse in front of you. Hebrews 12, <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So what was he fixing his eyes on? The Father, the right hand of the Father, where he was going, what this was going to accomplish. Do you remember what the angel said in the field? Good news of great joy. Here it is. Here's, here's the time. This is it. Fix your eyes on Jesus, people, because Jesus fixed his eyes on the throne of God. And he endured the cross for the joy set before him. What's the joy? The joy set before him is that he would accomplish this. It would bring heaven to earth. It would save souls. And for it would, it would bring salvation to millions upon millions upon millions of people who would come to Christ. That's the joy set before him. And the joy set before him is to be in the presence of his Father. Glorify thou me, O Lord, with the glory I had before I came, Jesus said. To be in the glory of the Father is joy. He set his sights to that. You and I have to face crosses. You and I have to face difficulties. But if you will fix your eyes on Jesus, there's your joy. There's your joy. You can endure anything. You can endure anything if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus because the author and perfecter of our faith fixed his eyes on the joy before him. There's a joy before you. Look at the end of your story. The end of everybody's story here is a joyful ending. You might have to endure a cross. I don't know how you're going to die. Every one of you is. It's a painful experience. Maybe some of you will be blessed to go without even knowing it. But everybody here is going to have to die. But every one of your stories, if Christ is in you, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, every one of you, your story ends with joy because it just began. Amen? Amen. What Paul is referencing is Psalm 16, verse 11. For in your presence there is fullness of joy. Some people criticize about going to heaven. They think, you know, we're going to go to heaven. First of all, you weren't made for heaven. You were made for earth. And we're not going to spend all of eternity in heaven. Heaven's just a holding place till the new heavens and the new earth come together. We're going to have a resurrected body and we're all coming back to planet earth. All right? You weren't made to sit on a cloud and play a harp because everybody's like, what are we going to do there? You know, it's all wispy and it's all cloudy. You know, and we're just going to bring, 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 bring. We love you, Jesus. Bring, bring, bring. Everybody's wearing white. This is dull. You know, you ever try and think of heaven and you get disappointed? Come on, how many of you are really, in all honesty? You're thinking, because you can't imagine. You can't fathom. 
He made all of this and you think he wants to put you in a cloud? It doesn't make sense. I mean, when you look at the earth, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Well, he made it that way. And what he's going to do is make you gorgeous and beautiful the way that you were meant to be. And so we'll have a resurrected body and we're going to come here and heaven and earth are going to come together into one unit to where the best of earth and the best of heaven is the best of you and it's all together and it's pure joy. This is awesome. This is our future. Every now and then you get a glimpse of it, don't you? Every now and then you see something in a sunset. Every now and then some song or music comes over you. Every now and then you have a bite of something that's going, joy comes into your spirit. That ain't nothing compared to what we're talking about. The fullness of joy. God is into the fullness. How many of you know the Lord loves a fullness? He wants the glass full. He's not a half-empty guy. Jesus is a fullness guy. Jesus doesn't want the glass half full. If Jesus sees your glass half full, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to fill it up. We're debating if if it's half full or if it's half empty. He goes, whatever the condition, I want to fill it up. I'll prove it to you. he, He loves the fullness. How many of you know that wine and joy go together? All right, be careful. In Jewish society, a wedding was a feast of wine and joy. They would, they would wait all their lives. Uh, many times the Jewish families would, would have a fatted calf. You heard the story of the fatted calf, the prodigal son. A fatted calf was kept to the day when they would have that one feast. They couldn't afford to have a fatted calf. You can't afford to have a calf sitting around and you're not going to kill it and eat it. So they, they, they would wait and wait till that great time of the great wedding feast that they would have for their family. It would last seven days and, and it was supposed to be of wine and joy. It was an epitome. See, water is for daily drinking, but wine is for celebration. And this is understood biblically. Now, I don't have to go, okay, understand drunkenness is a sin, so don't go there. But anyways, the whole concept is wine is for uh, a celebration. Water is for daily consumption. And so at the wedding feast, Jesus came, and it says in, in John 15, Jesus said, if you'll keep my commandments you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that you may have joy in you and that your joy may be what? Full. Full. A fullness. And so when Jesus went to the wedding feast of wine and joy at the Feast of Canaan, He's there and they run out of wine, don't they? Now, that's a downer for any wedding feast. Not because people want to get drunk, but because the host family putting that feast on would be shamed in that culture. They would be absolutely shamed. And here's this beautiful time of celebration, and they come up short. They obviously didn't have the finance. They obviously didn't have the money. Or the guests drank too much. I don't know. (laughs) But they ran short. And they come over to Mary and say, Mary, man, we're in in trouble here. Mary says, Jesus, 
do you think? <laughs> but anyways, this is what Jesus does. He takes the huge water pitchers. Now those waters were there for cleansing. Those water pitchers are there to cleanse the feet of the, the guests and to cleanse the people. Jesus then takes them and turns that ordinary water into what? Wine. Not just any wine, but every guest said it, the best wine. The best wine. This is a symbol of what God does with our lives. He fills us. Wine represents joy. And Jesus fills us to overflowing joy. He said, if you'll abide in me, I'll abide in you. If you'll walk after me and keep my commandments, you will have joy to its fullest. To its fullest. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Filled with the Holy Spirit. To where you are overflowing in the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the very nature of God. Have you been so filled with the Holy Spirit you can't contain Him? You can't contain yourself? You just have to praise God because 220 volts of electricity have just consumed your mind and your soul and your heart. When's the last time you've sought with hunger to be filled with the new wine of God's Spirit? To just abandon yourself to God and to praise Him and to have joy fill your soul. You see, to be so filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to abandon all your concerns and thoughts about what's around you and what you're concerned with and how you're going to fix it and how you're going to get out of it. But the joy of the Lord comes on you and says, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Amen? He fills us. Now let's understand what the nature of this joy is. So if you will, please turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah is before Job, so it's before the Psalms. Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, as you remember the story of Nehemiah, chapter 8, we'll start at verse 9. Here's the story to back up the nature of joy. Here's the situation with Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem. This is during the Babylonian captivity. He goes back to Jerusalem to find out that they hadn't completed the wall. So without the wall around Jerusalem, they're insecure and an enemy can come in at any time. They need to fortify that city if they're ever going to get anything done. So those who were captive went back to Jerusalem, but they didn't rebuild. They started and they stopped. Nehemiah heard about it. He was troubled in his spirit. He went back. Uh, the king gave him, Cyrus gave him a decree to go back. He goes back to build the walls. So they finally get the walls done. They're ready to celebrate. They give thanks to God for all that's, that's going on. And uh, they go to have a celebration and We'll start at verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, oh, and they found the book of the law in the temple. And so they start reading the word of God. I mean, imagine this, God's chosen people. They haven't heard the word of God in I don't know how many years. So they hear the law, the Torah of Moses being read, and they're going, oh my gosh, we had this kind of a covenant with God. We didn't even know it. 
We're constantly breaking it and failing it, but God said he'll protect us and this and that. They're hearing the word of the Lord. So Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. I thought holiness meant that we're supposed to be sad and have sackcloth and ashes and repentant and oh, I'm so sorry. Well, that's part of holiness too. That can be a dimension of it. But that's not all of it. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now we say that verse all the time, the joy of the Lord is your strength. But I want you to understand the psychology and understand the dynamic of what's going on there. They're having this great meeting. They're reading the Word of God and everybody's weeping. So what's the emotional condition of the people of God? Are they happy or sad? They're sad. They're mourning. I can't believe we've messed up this bad. They're not happy. Now what do you do with the people like that when you turn it around and say, come on everybody, let's party! Be happy! Now, how many people can switch like that? No. So, what Nehemiah is trying to evoke in them is we need to have joy at what God has accomplished with us. He had to shift them and change them out of it. How do you do that? He says, get some food and get some wine and let's get the party going. But in their spirit, they're broken. Why do I emphasize this? Because we think the joy starts with us. And it doesn't. And that's my point. They were not in a place of joy. So when Nehemiah says, you should have joy on this day, it didn't start with them. Are you getting this? This is joy in the Spirit. I don't know what you feel like today. You may not feel like happy times are here. You may not have joy this morning as you came. I don't know your situation. You might be quite miserable. You might, in fact, be very depressed. But joy doesn't start with you. and That's the key. The joy of the Lord. It doesn't say the joy in the Lord does it. It doesn't say your joy for the Lord. No. It says the joy of the Lord. Whose joy is it? The Lord's. That's the source of our joy. That's the difference, people. The source of my joy isn't dependent on my emotional attitude today, on my situation that I'm in. My joy starts from Him brought into me by the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
My strength is that he is joyous. My strength is that he's satisfied with my life. My strength is that he has control over every situation. That's where my joy comes from. My Jesus died for my sins. Therefore, I have his joy in me, with me, and for me. It starts with him. It doesn't start with me. I don't need to stir it up. I don't need two fast songs and one slow one to get me into the joy of the Lord. I don't need someone else to pray for me so that the spirit would lift. I've got his joy all over me. God was joyous that he had his people back in the city of promise. God was pleased that they built the wall. God was joyous that they rediscovered his word and he had joy over them. And Nehemiah told them, I know you're sad and I know you're you're weeping over the condition you're in, but you need to get in touch with God's joy. Yahweh's pleased. He's happy and he's dancing right now. Get in the party, will you? That's what God's doing. Is God pleased with the mess on planet earth? No, he's not pleased with the mess on planet earth, but he's got joy because he's got an answer for the mess on planet earth. It's Jesus Christ as Lord, and the body of Christ dwells on this planet, and his spirit in us is the solution to every problem around us. He knows that it will get accomplished. That's where our joy comes from, brothers and sisters. So, I conclude with this and what Peter said in 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You can't say it. You can't speak it. That's why so often this joy bubbles up with tongues because you don't have a language to express what you're feeling. It just goes forth. <coughs> It is unspeakable and it is full of what? Glory. Where does glory come from? God. It's full of Him. It's His joy. It's His expression through you. That is the joy that the angel said, I got good news about some great joy that is coming to planet Earth. It's coming from the throne of heaven that Jesus fixed His eyes on. It's coming through the Holy Spirit into a people. Yeah who will now worship God unspeakably full of joy like wine vats being poured out to the wedding feast. Celebrate the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. This joy, brothers and sisters, this joy transcends the moment and moves into eternity. It can thrive in a hostile environment. Tears don't rob joy of its vision. Joy endures, it sustains, it gives purpose, it fuels hope, it paves the way for love, even in times of hurt. Joy gives evidence of what is unseen, and it outweighs all that is seen. Joy exceeds your expectations, it points to the reality of God, it is the fuel of life in the Holy Spirit, it is unspeakable, it is full of glory, it is good news, it is great joy, and that's what is in each one of us. Let's stand this morning and praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Show us this joy, Lord God, that's in us. That it is accessible to every one of us. And I pray no matter what condition we came in, into this room with Lord Jesus, I pray that we will receive and we will access the very joy of the Father right now. 
Holy Spirit, show us the eternal weight of glory, the power of your joy, the unspeakable presence of a joy that says all is right in my life. No matter what I face, God, you're my authority and power. I release upon us, O Holy Spirit, pour out upon us a spirit of joy, a wine from heaven that fills us up and decrees your glory. Come on, let's enjoy God and celebrate Him this morning.